I, I feel like it's time for us to really keep stirring ourselves because we need to see our faith be in the power of God. We have no power on our own. We have our weaknesses and our inabilities are big, but we have to see the power of God in our faith and in our life. The title of my message today is I Am Lord. And I've just been going through um, just Genesis and Exodus the last couple of weeks and just really seeing how God really came on the scene. And it's very frustrating as we look at the story of what the children of Israel went through uh, and wonder, where were you at, God? Why aren't you doing anything? And to see God come and break into history and declare his name and begin to move in a powerful way in a nation and to take a nation out of bondage and bring them into a place of freedom. And we don't even understand the frustration of 430 years of being in the same predicament, having the same things going on in their life and wondering, where is God? They didn't even have the freedom to worship God. There was no church services. There was no temple celebrations. They were in bondage. All they did was work. And they were in a place where there was all kinds of false gods that were recognized that uh, demeaned the Israelites. And they were slaves, and they were under things that we can't even imagine. But God showed up because of his word, and God began to do great things. And I just am hoping today that there's going to be identification of where we are in our life right now and the things that we're going through and the challenges that we're having in our individual lives that replicate what Israel went through in Egypt. God sees your suffering. There's a multitude of things that every one of us could testify what we're going through. Pain, sickness, oppression, loss, grief, the things you go through on the job, even trying to get to work, the opposition of the commute, uh, the pressures at work, the, the, in, in the increased thing where people are trying to get more things done by less people and pay less. There are so many different dynamics going on in our world today that put a pressure on you that is like the pressure that was on the children of Israel. And I tell you, God is watching and he's looking. I tell you, he's going to break something loose. He's going to do something so powerful that it's going to amaze you because our God is the Lord. He said, I am the Lord. He said, I am the Lord. You need to see your circumstance today, what you're facing, what you're feeling, and begin to declare, Jesus is my Lord. He is my Lord. He is greater than my circumstances. He is greater than my opposition. He's greater than the limits of my finances. He's greater than the pain I feel in my body. He's greater than the opposition to see my relatives come to the Lord. He's greater than the apathy around me and the, the discouragement that is there. He's greater than the political climate. He's greater than the world condition and how it seems like everyone wants to go to war. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord of everything. Although our eyes are seeing something that's contrary it is not the reality the reality is our god is on the throne and he's moving and nothing will keep him from breaking loose and doing what he wants to do in your life and yes the enemy is going to lie to you your circumstances are going to lie to you but i tell you jesus christ just like he broke in and israel is about to do something in your life but the challenge is is your faith the enemy comes to steal your faith the faith is all you have against the opposition your faith is all you have against the things that are coming against you against feelings and opposition of trials and tribulations and finances whatever it is your long commute in the morning i tell you jesus is lord over your life god sees your suffering Whatever it is that's causing you to suffer maybe you're the weakest person here god sees the places you feel like you're suffering 
In Exodus 4, 29-31, Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. They had, Jesus had just had that come to meeting with Moses. He had gathered Aaron, and they were going back to see the people become free. And Aaron spoke all these words, but the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, their pain, their suffering, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. I tell you, God sees what you're going through right now. God sees your suffering. God sees the bitterness of soul. God sees the oppression over you. God sees everything that you're carrying right now, just like he did in the children of Israel. And he has eyes to see, and he's beginning to move for you. He's moving in your behalf because he sees your affliction. And you saw the elders of Israel when they heard that, they began to weep. They began to worship. Their situation didn't change, but hope came to them. Something came to them from God that said, I see you. And when you are in the midst of your pain and you know God sees you, it doesn't matter because in your spirit you rise above. You begin to walk in a place of faith. And even though you're in the same condition, you know that God's going to do something. And that's what began to happen in the leaders of Israel. They felt comfort in knowing that God finally saw them and he heard and he knew them. And it brought a spontaneous worship out of their heart. I tell you, we're about to see things in our life that are going to astound us. And so now, let us begin to worship. Let us begin to praise. Even like we, Dory stirred us today, in that last song, as we first began to sing that chorus, we felt something shift in the spirit. I don't know about you, but I felt it shift. That song replicates what the children of Israel went through in the wilderness and it's replicating what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, that he is going to do something for us. He's going to move in our life. So God dispatches Moses and Aaron to deal with Pharaoh. And I tell you that whether it's your boss or a spiritual dynamic that's against you, I tell you God is dispatching his spirit against your enemies. In Exodus 5, 1 and 2, after this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness so they might begin to worship me. And I tell you, there's a declaration going on in your life and in your spirit today. And God is saying, let my people go. He's speaking to your oppressors. He's speaking to the demonic forces that are against you. He's speaking to everything that's, that's camped up and coming against you because you have faith in a living God. And I tell you, God is saying, let my people go. But you have to get up and begin to respond even in faith to that message. You have to stir your faith down and say, you know, things are going to change. I'm going to believe God if I never see anything change because faith is of your heart. And you have something the Israelites didn't have. You have the Godhead living in your spirit, residing in you. In verse 2, is that so, reported Pharaoh, and who is the Lord, and why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And I tell you, in a message like this today, you could feel inspired, you could feel uh, like great, but I tell you, when you face those enemies tomorrow, all those feelings are going to go away. And you're going to face the Pharaohs that are going to say, I am not going to let you go. You're going to have bosses that are going to keep putting pressure on you and things on you and saying i'm not going to let you have that for you but i tell you something is happening in the spirit of god something is happening in our midst and what god's doing on the earth that something is beginning to break and change pharaoh says work in exodus 5 4 pharaoh replied moses and aaron why are you distracting the people from their tasks get back to work look there are many of your people in the land 
and you are stopping them from their work. The enemy is very unhappy when you start addressing spiritual things, when you start standing up on the inside when you don't feel like standing up, when your circumstances are not changing. There is something that trembles in the enemy's camp when you get up and you say, I am going to believe God anyway. I'm going to worship God anyway. I'm going to press forward anyway. I don't care what the opposition, I don't care it doesn't break. I've had enough and I'm going to move forward in my faith in God. Just like the children of Israel, we feel so bondage about situations. Egypt represented sin and distractions that are from the world. Those are the things that we face. We face demonic atmospheres. We face a world that is in opposition to God. I I had a person call me the other day, not of this church, just call me because they were troubled by demonic dreams. And I began to share with them about faith in Jesus Christ. And I began to share with them, where are you at? Oh, yeah, I believe I accepted Jesus a long time ago. What about, are you in the word? Are you beginning to pray and have something counter? Oh, I don't really believe the Bible. Excuse me, if you don't believe the word of God, where is your hope going to be standing on? And the demonic forces that are trying to bombard you in your dreams are going to get stronger. But you must rise in your faith in Jesus Christ. You must get into a local body. You must believe the word of God so that you can fight the demonic atmosphere that's trying to oppress you. That was just one example of what people are under out there in the world. The demonic distraction or oppression to keep them in bondage and to make them give up on the hope in Jesus Christ. And as the world moves towards the end, there's going to be more and more unbelief and doubts about the Lord Jesus Christ. But we are those. We are those who are going to stand until Jesus comes back. And maybe some of us will die before that happens, but we're going to stand in faith. Now is the time to rise up and overcome in your faith in God and to go against doubts and unbelief and dare to believe what's going on in your heart because you have a living relationship with a living God. Just like Pharaoh said, I don't know God. We know him. We know the Lord. We know who he is. We know what he wants to do. Again, taskmasters. All of us have certain taskmasters. Sometimes it's ourself. Somehow it's the way we think or our religiousness puts a, a pressure on us that's not even of God, not even of the Holy Spirit. But you have to determine in your relationship what kind of oppression you're under and who's driving you and who's putting something on you that's not of God. <clears throat> Are there distractions affecting your faith? Is there something distracting your faith right now? Is there something so heavy on you? It's affecting your faith. It's affecting your prayer. It's affecting you wor- your worship. It's affecting your personal time with the Lord. <clears throat> It's all about your faith. It is all about your faith. The attack against you is because you have faith in Jesus Christ. It's because God's grace came upon you and you open your heart and you receive Jesus. Now all hell is bent on discouraging you in your faith. If he can stop you in your faith, he's got you dead in your tracks and you're not going to be a threat to him. You're not going to use your gifts. You're not going to go on in faith when things are tough. In Exodus 5, 6 through 9, That same day, Pharaoh gave the order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for baking bricks. Let them go out and gather their own straw. Are you feeling extra pressure right now? Are there more demands on you than ever? All those demands are to keep you from seeking God, to keep you from reading the word, to keep you uh, distracted so that you're not drawing on the God of the universe. You're not drawing on Jesus, who is your Lord but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they're, tr- they're crying out. Let's go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. There might be people who are ignorant of even the enemy or God, 
And yet Satan is using them to put more oppression on you, to more discouragement on you, to weigh you down and make you think, where are you, God? Aren't you hearing my prayers? What about your promises? Don't you listen? Don't you keep your word? All those are the mocking voices of the enemy that come through our own ears because it speaks up out of our own experience because we're in a natural world and we have a natural life that listens to those things. But God promises deliverance. And God's promises of deliverance always seem impossible. In Genesis 15, verses 13 through 14, God has spoke to Abraham as t- speaking about his descendants, that they would serve in a land that wasn't their own. And they would be afflicted for 400 years. And then your people would come out with great possessions. God promised, even before it happened, that Abraham's descendants, all the children of Israel, were going to go into bondage for 400 years. Well, we know in reality, the time actually in bondage was 430 years. But this was prophesied, the promise of deliverance was prophesied probably almost 500 years in advance. God was looking out, and we're stuck in what we're dealing with, and we think God doesn't care, God doesn't hear. God is outside of time, but he's moving in this global plan, this universal plan over our lives. And though we're stuck in the moments in things, and we're in bondage in things, it is God who's already prophesied on us the blessing and the prosperity and the goodness that he has for us. But I tell you, your circumstances and today would try to keep you in bondage from what God has for you and what he's going to do in your life. People struggled with Moses and Aaron. And like there was that part we saw we sang today, your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness. You have to keep saying, I'm seeing this, but I have a promise. I have a promise I'm hanging on to. Your promise still stands, and my heart is saying, great is your faithfulness, even though it's contradicting your emotions and your feelings. Do you know, for me to get up and speak today, the negative feelings I have, I had to get up in faith. When I look out and I don't see the place filled, God, you sent us down here. You said you were going to make this place big. You don't know how, to, how that comes against the word of God and the promise and why he wanted to start this church. I had no confidence in myself. I'm not a self-proclaimed person. I'm not this great personality that can carry things. My dependence is on God. If God doesn't move, I can't move anything. That's what God wants, that dependence on him. We have to be in a place where we need the, the God who does impossible to do the impossible for us. Yes, there's times when we're confident in ourselves, confident in our gifts, but there are times when he strips out everything. Why? He wants us to rise in faith and look to him because God wants to get all the glory. God wants his power to be seen in our lives. He wants to do exploits for us. He wants to do miracles for us. In Exodus 5, 19-21, the Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you each day when they left pharaoh they found moses and aaron waiting to meet them and they said may the lord look on you and judge you you have made us obnoxious to pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us wow when pain increases who do we get mad at we get mad at spiritual leaders we get mad at god you know but it's it's just a formula God is mounting up such an, uh, a resistance against his promises, his word, and he, I can see he must have a smile on his face because he knows what he's going to do. Moses asked God, why are things worse? Every leader does that. Every one of us asks when things come up against the promises of God, 
when healings aren't out happening, when finances are not changing, when things are not being according to God's promises, we wonder. Those of you who have received prophetic words in conferences wonder, why is this not happening? It's natural. First, the promise. Then we wait as God moves us through the impossibilities to bring those answers. In Exodus 5.22, So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. <clears throat> Man, talk about Moses getting honest. Come on, God. You sent me here. I was happy on the desert just feeding those sheep, watching them. And now you send me out to deliver the people, and you're not doing anything. Think of it. Moses was all-powerful. There was probably no prophet as great and powerful as Moses, calling down fire, doing the things he did, telling Aaron to do this and that so that a place could happen and judgment could come on Israel. And Moses realizes he does not have the power. There is a limited amount of power that flows through our gifts, but they all operate in the parameters of God's will and his timing. Wow. Where are you, God? Where are they, they ask. How come I can't deliver the people? God is the one that delivers us out from under bondage and people and the different things that seek to oppress the will of God and his promises in our life. God, Holy Spirit, worker of miracles. We've been singing that song. He's the worker of miracles. In Zechariah 4, 6, this is the word of the Lord. Not by might, not by human effort, but by the power Man, not by man's strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In Philippians 3.3, 3, it says, We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. And we rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in our flesh. Circumcision, that cutting away of the heart. When we accept Jesus Christ and we go into the water of baptism, there is something so cut away in our heart. Our spirit is so able to connect with God and draw on him that we can rise above our circumstances if we take advantage of that. A work of God was done to us when we received Jesus. A work of God was done deep in our spirit when we went into water baptism that declares we will have a freedom that no one can take away from us, no sin can hold us, no demonic activity can oppress us, that we are destined to break out of whatever has tried to hold us down because there's a whole new nature down in our spirit. The world tells us, build yourself up. Yes, it's good to build yourself up in all you can. But unless you're built up in the spirit of God, unless your spirit is walking with God, you can do nothing. I can do nothing either. God said, see what I will do. Again, before God, as you worship and praise, God, let me see what you're going to do. God, my eyes are looking to see what you're going to do. I am not going to depend on what my eyes are telling me in the negative. I'm going to believe that I'm going to see you do something that's powerful and miraculous in exodus 6 1 then the lord said to moses now you shall see that i what i will do to pharaoh with a strong hand he will let them go and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land we look to you lord today hillside and everyone here looks to you what will you do in our situation what will you do for us these places are both part of building our faith and our character and also sometimes breaking uh, things off of us, breaking our self-dependence, breaking our self-confidence, breaking our, our hardness of heart. 
And I think Israel went through that in those 430 years. There's a true brokenness that when they begin to cry out to God, there was something so broken in them by their oppression. There is something that's so broken in your life because of the things you're under that's going to release a cry from your spirit. And I don't understand what it is, but there's something inside of us that when we get to the place that we cry out to God, there's a breakthrough. There's something that is initiated by our heart's cry that moves the powers of heavens into our action. And it's so coordinated with the timing of God also. It seems like, wow, the whole timing of the 430 years that they were in bondage, their cry, their breaking, the release, it all worked together. God sees all the end from the beginning, and he knows. He knows the pressures that work and to break us, the things that are building our character. I had someone say to me this week, I am so tired of having my character built. Amen, me too. But whatever it is, Whatever the things we, we are going through that we have no control of, all we can do is keep trusting God. We have a great salvation. We already have eternal life settled for us. But it's going through life now and letting God do something in us. I tell you, it's going to testify to the world around us. Just like what God did to in and for Israel showed anti-God Pharaoh who God was. He didn't know God. He didn't believe God. But by the time this was all done, Pharaoh knew who God was. I'm a little excited today. Our key verse today is Exodus 6-2. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. We need to have that resonate in our soul that God is the Lord. Not my feelings, not my emotions, and not what circumstances are doing to my emotions. The definition of Lord is owner, master. But its meaning of owner indicates of one having absolute control. It denotes the owner and governor of the whole earth. In Exodus 6.3, God says, I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my, my name, Lord, I was not known to them. He was God Almighty, but now he was moving on the scenes of history to show I am God over the nations of this world. I am God over the pharaohs of this world, and I am God Almighty. I'm stepping past the place of just being Almighty God and having you produce a family and uh, some of you who are barren uh, become fruitful. But now I'm showing you I have God. I'm God over the taskmasters. I'm God over the oppressors. I'm God in a way that the world had never known. So now he, he tells them, I'm, uh, my name is the Lord. And we can use that because Jesus Christ is our Lord. When you're feeling oppressed, you could say under your breath, Jesus Christ is my Lord. When you face the pharaohs in your life, you can say, Lord, he doesn't believe in you, but whatever you're going to do in bringing my freedom, he is going to know that you're Lord when I'm through this. The Lord hears Israel's groaning. I tell you, this has to be our groan also. In the dark world that we're in, the cry of our hearts as Christians has to be God send your revival. It has to be by your spirit. Obviously, people aren't just listening to us in the gospel. We need a move of the spirit that God moves on the hearts of men. And like um, Paul wrote in the epistles that there's a blinder to the gospel over the unbelievers. And we need revival to break that blinder off their heart that the gospel can then break into their heart and bring their freedom. Look at us in this room. We are a kind of like a minority. But look at how blessed we are that God visited us and each of us accepted Jesus as Lord. That shows the favor that is on us. You are incredibly favored because you're open to Jesus Christ. You've received Jesus Christ and you want God. But pray. 
pray like never before. Oh, God, send revival. God, today we just pray right now. Will you pray with me? God, we ask that you would send revival. There are hurting, broken, dying people that don't know you. There are people doing horrible things, God. There, there are people who are behind um, different um, movements and, and ideologies and belief systems that are anti-God. And Lord, we only revival can bring them to the place of repentance and change. Lord, we lift up our leaders today. They need revival. They need our Senate and Congress. Our president needs a revival, Lord Jesus. Holiness has to return. There has to be such a move of God, oh God. Oh Lord, hear our prayers that there will be revival in our land, that revival will break out on the islands of the sea, that revival will break out in the continents, Lord Jesus. Every place, Lord, where people stand and sit, Lord, let there be revival, Lord. Let revival come to the nations. <clears throat> In Exodus 6, 4 and 5, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. You have to let God know that you're in pain and you're tired of being where you're at. You've got to let your cry come up. So God can remember his covenant to you. Your covenant is established through Jesus Christ and through his blood and through your commitment to him. People forget agreements, but God doesn't forget his agreements with us. Lord, owner, master, he takes charge. <coughs> in Exodus, <coughs> excuse me, in Exodus 6, 6 through 8. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, <coughs> who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. I haven't felt so powerful about this passage of uh, Exodus 6 since probably 1990. I remember walking through United Technologies, walking through shipping, heading towards receiving when God spoke this verse to me, that I have set you free from the bondage of Egypt. And I immediately knew what that was, what he was saying to me. Because for probably 20 years, I had worked every bit of overtime I could get. I had a family who depended on me. My wife was taking care of our kids, and we had decided that, you know what, she was going to take care of our kids, and I was going to work. And God enabled me to work, but, I mean, I was obsessive. Every minute of overtime, I was always the one. The clock, time clock at, at 4 o'clock when we were punching out, inevitably every Friday someone would come out. We need to no, run to the airport. We need to run here. We need to go get something picked up. We have a motor to move. I would, I would, not, I would get online. I'd do it. But when he said that to me, that I have broken the bondage off you, I knew that that my overtime was gone. And then later that day, they said, there's no more overtime. I was angry. Just like they got angry at Moses, <coughs> they got angry at God. I didn't know what God was going to do. God was about to change something for us. Dory's mom had died the year before, and it was after he said that to me, and after overtime change where we began to get a little inheritance that really supplemented for us uh, without me having to work the extra overtime. But it's interesting, we get angry when God says that he's going to deliver us because see, things seem to get a little bit harder all of a sudden. <coughs> God declares 
to his people, I am the Lord. God, God declared seven times, I will. I will bring you out from under the burden. What is your burden? Can you identify what you're under today? God says to you today, I will bring you out from under the burden. It's not a godly burden. It's a burden that's been crushing you. And God is saying, I want to bring you out from under that burden. I want to set you free. And it's a way that God proves to our heart that he is a God who means what he says. And it does something to us when God speaks to those places that we're in bondage that makes us a little bit more, a little deeper in our area of trusting God and believing that he's a good God and he has our back. The next I will was, I will rescue you from their bondage. Who are you under? Who's oppressing you? God declares he wants to set you free from them. The next one is, I will redeem you. Where do you need to be redeemed from? We start our redemption process when we receive Jesus Christ and we receive the forgiveness of our sins. But then we go through the process of our soul being transformed in the things that have traumatized us, the places that we've been victim, the places that there's been an absentee, a parental or, uh, or positive um, leadership or a covering or a godly influences. Those are places that the, the redemption is ongoing and it's a process our whole life as God works on us. But he promises, I will redeem you. He makes it personal. And it started out when you responded to Jesus, when you felt his love and you needed forgiveness of your sin and you received it. The next I will is, I will take you as my people. Some of us feel abandoned, rejected, unloved, uncared for. Even in the midst of a church, we can feel like that because we have places in our life, things that have happened to us that, is, that kind of resonate inside of us that no one cares about me. No one loves us. No one loves me. And some of it is generated by the walls that we put up in our lives to protect us. But God says, I take you as a people. I want you. I will take you as my people. That God says, I care about you. I want to be involved with you. I want to show you unconditional love. I want to be there for you. Do I believe I totally belong to God? That's a question you might want to ask yourself. Am I doing things on my own because I really don't believe that I totally belong to God. Maybe you feel like you still have to cover your own self or do it your own way because you don't feel like you belong. Nothing is bigger than God. I will be your God. Is my God, is God really my God? What do I need to surrender to the Lord to allow him to be God in my life? I will bring you into the land. Do you know what your land is? You know, we spent six weeks talking about different aspects of our inheritance and our land of promise. Do you know what your land is? Do you know what some of those things are that we talked about? The next I will is, I will give the land as your inheritance. God, help us to recognize what our inheritance is. The I wills of God break the oppression today off the people of God as they did over the children of Israel. Today, the I wills come to set you more free than ever before in knowing that God is working in your favor. Causes of unbelief in Exodus 6, 9. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. You know, sometimes our unbelief, sometimes we're, we're bugged because we've had such oppression on us. An enemy camps on that oppression and he beats us over the head with us. Or maybe it's a past sin or failure that he keeps beating us with that we just feel under bondage that really is not true. 
and struggles in life can distract our faith in believing that we are really free. Sometimes we have to combat negative feelings with faith in God and what the Word tells us so that we can push away those nagging thoughts and those feelings that are so linked together. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. In Exodus 6, 10 through 13, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. God gave this record of Israel for our faith to rest in him. You know, we can thank God for the first five books of the Bible, especially for Exodus and what God did to set a nation free so that God would let us know how he wants to set us free. And it's interesting, the last judgment that God brought on the children of Israel was the firstborn of Pharaoh to the least person in Egypt. The firstborn was all killed as the death angel passed over. And it's interesting that it's a type of Jesus dying for the sins of the world that we would all have eternal life. In 1 Corinthians 10, There, verse 11, it's talking about what has going on, What we kind of what we've just been talking about in the Exodus. In the first 10 verses of 1 Corinthians 10, Paul's referencing the things that we've been talking about, about Israel's journey and what, what they had to do when they went into the wilderness wanderings after they were set free from bondage. This happened to them, the children of Israel, as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. That's us. It's been thousands and thousands of years since then. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus died on the cross for us. But we are supposed to take advantage of what we see in the Bible, especially what happened to the children of Israel and how God brought them into freedom. And we must contend for our freedom by simply believing in God and resting in Him. Fighting the, foul, the doubts, the, the things that come into our mind, and stop looking at the circumstances that defy the promises of God.